0: Yeah, g'day guys. Uh, my, my name's Brandon, and uh, yeah, I'm from Australia. And um, it's great to be here this morning and great to worship God together, amen. Uh, I'm here from Australia with my love, lovely wife, Megan. She's over there. Yeah, so you can give her a clap, yes. Yeah, she's awesome. And uh, she's a Virginian, so if, you, if you're wondering, just to make sure, you heard last week, but if you don't know, She's American. I'm Australian. Um, and, and before we talk about God, because we'll get there, um, I want to clear some things up. Okay. okay? Just to clear some things up. I know you all, you all have so many questions. Okay. Right? For me, I have never, ever actually put a shrimp on the barbie. Okay?
1: I've never done that.
0: First of all, we call them prawns not shrimp, so I don't even know what that means. Uh, Second of all, I've never had no bloomin' onions, okay? Never had them. Don't know what it is. Um, And there you that's Australia over there. Um, If you're having any translation problems today, we don't have any translators, okay? So if you can't understand me, I'm sorry, I'm speaking English, if you can't understand me. I'm not going to say God. I'll probably say God, alright? So there's, there's a little different thing. And if I end up saying something like heaps, if I, oh, that's heaps, I'm doing heaps of things, it means like lots, okay? Aww. So, so i it might slip out, I'm just preparing everyone. All right. um, so, as I said, I'm from Australia, I'm 24, I was born in Sydney, Australia, which is there on the southeast kind of coast. And, um, but I, I, I moved... <laughs> I'm not doing that. I don't know who's doing that. Okay, you got it. Nice. There we go. Good. That's, that's where I was born, and then I moved down to Melbourne, which is at the very bottom. Right? So that's not the warmest place, that's the really cold place of Australia. Where in America that would be the warm place, it's the other side of the world. Um, so my, I grew up in the church, my mum and dad helped uh, lead the church in Australia, in Melbourne. Um, my brother, I have one brother, he and his wife are disciples, um, so my whole family is with disciples, and that's, what a blessing, seriously, I am so encouraged just, just knowing that. Um, my wife and I, we met, um, she was leading the campus ministry in Sydney, um, and, and we met, we fell in love, um, we can tell the story later, yes, that it was, it was an awe moment, it was nice, and then she moved to Melbourne. And we led the campus ministry together there for a while, and then we got married recently, November 30 last year. Um, so we are, we are fresh, four months, four months in. Um, but now we're here, and uh, we're really excited, we're really excited to be with, with you guys, be here in the United States. Uh, we, our, our vision has always been, we just want to follow God. Wherever He's taking us, that's where we want to be. Because that's where amazing things are going to be happening. Uh, and so somehow we ended up here, but, but we're so excited to be here to serve and to give. Amen. Uh, and even the region that we're from in Australia, we call it the Spa region. We're so grateful for all you guys have contributed to us. Seriously, our church wouldn't be where it is today if it wasn't for the ACR and the Hampton Roads Church. That's that no word of a lie. right? Because so you guys have sent so many people out, some of your best. Um, To help support us. And and seriously, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so grateful. I mean that with all sincerity. So, thank you for that. Um, And like I said, I'm really grateful to be here this morning. Uh, But let's get on to the Bible. Um, So the title of the lesson today is Pressure, a Stumbling Block or Stepping Stone. And, And as we read the Scriptures, I want us to be thinking about pressure is not a hindrance, but a catalyst to the Gospel message spreading right and turn with me to acts chapter six and we'll be moving on from there acts chapter six Poor Brandon. Poor Brandon. all right so if we look at the context of what has been happening so far before we get into this uh the apostles have been empowered by the spirit at pentecost and, and we call this book the acts of the apostles but it's not really about the acts of the apostles it's really about the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. It wasn't about how hard they worked and how much they slaved themselves to do, had their quiet time to do the good things. It's about what the Spirit was able to do with people who were willing to serve. Amen. And that is what is amazing about this book. Out of all the books in the Bible, Acts references the Spirit the most. Right? So it's really the Spirit is everything. So far, the early church has endured uh, floggings beatings, jail time, verbal abuse, right? We, we looked at, uh, they, they experienced corruption with Ananias and Sapphira. They were tempted to, to start uh, watering down the truth and giving in to corruption. And finally here, as we read Acts chapter 6, that they're, they're being attacked by being distracted with problems. Right? So let's read Acts chapter 6. It reads... In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them." And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified. This fellow never stops speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the sand looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Awesome. Let's go to God in prayer, and we'll see what we can get out of this text. Our dear Father, Lord God, we're so grateful, Father, that we could be here today. Father, that we have an incredible Father who cares about us, who loves us. Father, that, that we are not enslaved by our sin anymore because of the love that you demonstrated through your Son. I pray, Father, today, as, as we read the Scriptures, as we reflect on the early church, Father, move our hearts, all of us. Help us make decisions in our lives. Help us be empowered by the very Spirit that you gave these men to change the world. God, we love you. We thank you for your Word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, so here, right, there's conflict. There's conflict happening within the church. You have the Greek Jews versus the Hebraic Jews, right? If it says Hellenistic, it just means Greek. Uh, and it has to do with widows, right? What a sensitive topic, right? I, I feel like everyone always has a soft spot for a widow. Yeah. And, and to know here that, hey, the widows from my people are being overlooked. Let's do I, some We need to change this. People can get passionate about things that they care for. And there has always been conflict between these two groups. Right, The Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews, there's always been conflict. And so my points today, right? you don't have to write them down, they'll be, they'll be coming soon, but the three points that I want to talk about today is, the first point, there's going to be needs. The second point, those needs, or pressure points, to service. And the third point is that pressure points to the gospel spreading all right so the first point there's gonna be needs to meet here in verse one the church is expanding is what it's telling us the number of disciples is increasing and so as it's increasing what starts to happen problems right people start There's conflict between people and The people who were there from Pentecost, the influx of Jews that came into Jerusalem, they're still there. And they still have to meet all these needs. And the church begins to have some conflicts from within. There's hurt feelings. And it probably wasn't even intentional. You know, it's not that the the Hebrew Jews are going, no, we don't want to actually give to these. It probably just was what they're used to doing. right? Maybe the Hebrew Jews were used to looking after their own. But now, okay... They have to learn to deal with others. Um, and it's such a big issue. They don't just call in a couple of guys. They call in the 12 apostles. Right? The main men, the leaders of the church. They say, this is such a big issue, we need the leaders here. Um, so this, obviously for them, this was, this was a big conflict. And, and you might be thinking, okay, this is the early church. And, and they were doing amazing things. How come there's conflict? Shouldn't God's church be harmonious? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's meant to be a really great example, but here there's conflict in the church. But as we see, and we all kind of know, is the more people, the more problems that will start to occur. We are all sinful people. And in this room is not a bunch of amazing people, but really, in reality, a bunch of sinners. And a bunch of sinners, around a bunch of sinners, creates conflict. And that's what was happening here in the early church, right? For, for me, I get angry. I get jealous. We get unhappy with life. We, don't, we aren't content sometimes. We aren't conditionally loving or caring. So there's needs and there's conflict. It kind of reminds me of like every TV show. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but it's always like everything's great and then a new character comes in. And that new character, oh boy... He's, he's bad. Uh, I was watching The Walking Dead. I don't know if anyone here watches that. But this guy came on the scene, Negan, and you're like, oh man, I haven't been watching season eight, so don't spoil it for me. But, whoa, well, he came on the scene and boom, it was, it was on. Uh, it, I was also, look, I don't know, for some reason I got on this tangent and I started looking up like, what's the shows with the most amount of episodes, right? Like how many episodes are in like one of the, the longest running shows, uh, I found this one in Australia called Neighbours, and it's literally about this street and their neighbours, and it's been running since 1985, and there is 7,815 episodes. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Like, what, it, what new thing did you invent? But it's always, oh, someone's ex-boyfriend, and they come on the scene, and there's conflict. That's what it's all about. I don't know if anyone here has heard of The Bold and The Beautiful. Right? That's had seven thousand seven hundred and seventy-seven episodes. That thing has been going on for ages, and my Nanda, which is my grandma, still watches it to this day. So she's one of those committed people. But to, to put that in context, you know the Simpsons, right? You think, man, that has tons of episodes. It only has six hundred and thirty-two. So these things have heaps. But the, the whole point of these things is, sorry, there's the heaps, lots, yeah. Sorry. Adding new people creates new drama. And that's what we see in the church here. More and more people, more and more problems. Uh, and so even today in the church, right, we're still, there's still going to be needs. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be bad attitudes, hurt feelings, administration problems. It's important as a unit that we don't put these things under the rug. Sweep them under the rug. Forget about them. You deal with them. And good luck to your mate. Right? No, that's, that's, that's not what the 12 do. They went like widows. we got more important things to do. You know, i got things to do, so you, you handle that. No, they, they deal with it. They find a solution. And so for us in the church, if there's needs, we have to meet the needs. And that's what the early church does. They know God's church isn't going to be perfect, but we're going to strive to do our best. To make this not necessarily a museum of amazing people, but a hospital for the broken. And that's where we want to be. And in the church, we have discipling, we have deacons, we have elders to help with those things. Uh, which, is, which is amazing. And use those resources if you can. Talk to your discipling partner if you have a need. Because that's really important. Because in the world, that's, sin destroys relationships. Racial and cultural differences keep people apart. I mean, we see it in the news all the time. But in the church, we can live together in unity because Jesus' death has abolished those distinctions, uh, crushed that dividing wall of separation, and brought us together. And so that's my first point, right? There's going to be needs. And so my second point here, those needs or those pressure points to service. Pressure points to service, right? And it's kind of a play on words, right? A pressure point uh, is a point on your body, which is sensitive. Right? In martial arts, sometimes, you know, they'll find that pressure point and they'll, they'll try and hit it. And when they hit it, maybe you'll have a bodily reaction or your body will shut down. Uh, and that's kind of like a negative way that you can treat a pressure point or a sensitive area. But actually, if you, with some of those pressure points... If, if you massage them, or you're gentle with them, they can prove to be healing. All right? And so it depends how you respond to these pressure points with what happens to us as a church. Um, because here in, in the Scriptures, you know, verse 3, it says, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among, among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom we will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So because of this need, they thought we need to find people to serve. So what caused people to step up and serve was the needs that were there. And they choose these seven men. And the criteria isn't find the best looking, uh, the best, the strongest, and the most talented and put them in service. Right? It says men, full of the spirit. When we choose people to serve, we choose the godly person first. The spiritual person is going to handle these problems in a spiritual way. And they're also wise, it says there, they have wisdom, which means they have talents. But first, right, man, spiritual. Not just someone talented. And they're given responsibility. And that Greek word there for responsibility literally means a need. Right, just... It doesn't really say responsibility, it It just says they handed this need over to these guys. So they are entrusted with taking care of a need. And they they put it on their plate and say, look, the apostles say, you guys take care of it, we're going to do this. We're entrusting you with this, serve. Give your heart, fix the problem, and amen, God's kingdom will be glorified. And I just think about today imagine if we all had the same spirit imagine if everyone in this room Whenever you saw a need you were the one to step up and meet it Amen. You were the one to say look I want to be there to meet that need because so often we say look Can someone else do it? I'm busy. I See the need but you know what? I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not spiritual enough. And we have all these reasons why we can't stand up and meet that need. Rather, those needs that you see are meant to like push you to serve, push you to meet it. Um, and I'm so grateful, right? I mean, if you look at this church, right, we've only been here a month. But we see, you know, there's people out up here every week singing. I'm so grateful for the song ministry. So grateful for the way that they serve. I mean, behind the scenes, they meet, they practice. Amen. So grateful. But all the guys up there who do the technical stuff. I couldn't do that. Amen. <laughs> I'm glad they're serving because I couldn't do it. Um, kids Kingdom. Thank you for that. I mean, how grateful are they? People look after Amen. the church's kids. Uh, people who hand out the anchor every week and give us updates. Grateful for their service. The people who do the welcomes, the communions, the testimonies. Thank you for your service. And the reason they're serving, because there's a need. Look at your own life. Are you someone, when you see those needs, you step up and you meet it. Because you realize, man, the spirit is prompting you. If you see the need, that means you're the one who's meant to meet it. Not someone else. I was reading um, this book called Spiritual Leadership by J. Oswald Sanders. And he says, Why is our need for leaders so great and candidates for leadership so few? Every generation faces the stringent demands of spiritual leadership and most unfortunately turn away, but God welcomes the few who come forward to serve. And these leaders he's talking about, and this is a direct quote, are people who are focused on the service he and she can render to God and other people. And it ends up that just a few people are stepping up to serve while everyone else just cruises along. This is not how it should be. You, this is just one of the needs in the church that was written in the scriptures. I bet you there was many more and many more people who had to serve. And hopefully the Hampton Roads Church is the same way. There's lots of needs. We need every single person to serve. Every single person in this room. Because sometimes, that's, you know, we, we, for us, it's so easy to look around and be critical. It's so always say, hey, my needs aren't being met. How come no one's meeting my needs? But again, you're the someone who's meant to meet that need. You are the one maybe causing the problem in the first place. <laughs> and this becomes a stumbling block for your faith. A stumbling block for the Spirit to work in your life. I mean, literally, you end up blocking the spirit. I mean, what a tragedy, if that's the case. You know, and even, maybe you're visiting today and, and, and you're searching for a church. But people who search for the perfect church never find it. Because as soon as they walk in, they fail. Because they're thinking about, I want the perfect church. It's all about me. A church is a place of service. A church is a place of giving. You shouldn't, you shouldn't walk through those doors and think, hmm, I wonder how my needs are going to get met today. You should walk in and say, how can I give to everyone else? I remember getting discipled by Sam Cameron. And um, I'm naturally a very self-righteous man. Uh, I grew up in the church. I feel like I know, I know what's right. I know what I'm doing and all these kind of silly things. And he, says, he said to me, look, Brandon, criticalness, it, your criticalness can be good. Because you see the needs, you see the infections that people have, but you don't provide the cure. And when he said that, I was like cut to the heart. It's like, man, I'm the guy who who sees things but doesn't do anything about it. Would the same thing be said about you? Right, because in verse seven, when these people step up to serve, it says. That the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. How cool is that right? Even the priests. The people they're trying to. Who are are persecuting them start to become disciples after this. Awesome. Wow. But where does it start? Serving. And we need to meet those needs as a church. And we will see things grow. Which leads into my last point. That pressure points to the gospel spreading. Because some might be thinking, right, when you read verse 4, it says that the the apostles say that that we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So it's easy for us to think, well look, the apostles would do the outreach and everyone else would do the serving. That's, That's what it's... That's what it's kind of saying. We're going to do this, you do that. But you see down there in verse, from verse 8 to 15. You read of this man, Stephen, and the beginning of his persecution. And he is one of those seven men who was chose, chosen to serve. Along with another, another man there named Philip, who meets an Ethiopian on the road in Acts chapter 8. And in verse 8, Stephen starts doing great wonders and miracles. So his service wasn't just, wow, let me just help out with the widows. It turns into, look, this guy starts somehow doing miracles. Probably through the laying on of the hands of the apostles done there. In verse um, 6. And that's amazing. Right? But in other words, there's no real excuse for us. Right? When there's this, this pressure in the church, internal conflict inside, and there's external conflict outside. It points us, man, you know what? We need to serve, and we need to spread the gospel. All of us. We're all on this mission together. And verse 9, his message is so offensive that they argue with him. Verse 11, they even persuade people to deceive the crowd. Provide false witnesses. That's how badly they wanted to persecute this guy who was looking after the widows. Wow. I mean, this guy is transformed as he begins to serve. Or maybe he he was already a man full of the Spirit, it says. And the ultimate thing that we need to see is that those needs should create a fire in us for the mission. Ultimately, the ultimate goal of us meeting needs, the ultimate goal of the Gospel, wow, we need to spread this to the rest of the world. We are all in the ministry. We are all in the same ministry, the ministry of the Word and prayer. We have all been commissioned by Jesus to, to seek and save the lost. You know, for me being here, you know, I love that the gospel is the same across thousands of miles. Amen. I can come to a church where, hey, it's exactly the same. Same doctrine, same love, same, uh, you know, direction we're heading. And the Hampton Roads Church, man, I was blown away coming here. I mean, you guys are a massive church two buildings. Wow, that's that's awesome. Uh, you have lots of singing ministries, lots of Bible talks, there's hundreds of singles. Um, there's this, I mean, for me, disciples in walking distance. Never had that, really, in Australia. There's great leaders here. And the, but there, there's also so many needs. Maybe, for us, maybe we need to fix the buildings. Maybe we need to fix the car park, update the website. We need to change the structure of events or All these kind of things. We need a new committee for this. Planning things. And there's a temptation for us to take our eye of what is most important. Take our eye off the ball. Because we're so consumed with all the things we have to do. And the needs we need to meet. Is it more spiritual for you to serve the widows? Or is it more spiritual for you to to spread the gospel? How would you answer that question? Philip... And this guy here, Stephen, they served. But also, verse 10, it says, They could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Mm -hmm. I think the struggle in the church is, these internal problems can become distractions. They distract us from the mission. And that 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 is so important that we don't get distracted. And I'm not diminishing how awesome serving is. It's incredible. Rather, it gave an opportunity there for Stephen, Philip, and the other seven to do incredible things for God. You know, the song ministry, all the ministry, kids' kingdom, service projects, hanging out with people in your Bible talks, tea time, counseling times, cleaning someone's house. These are all great service. But these are not spreading the word to the lost world. And we as church cannot get consumed with those things. That's not the reason Jesus saved you, so you could serve. He saved you, man, so we could be a beacon of light for the lost world. That we could spread the good news around the world. I remember uh, we, we, we were at a, uh, a leadership retreat for the whole uh, region down in Australia, and 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 it was it was all about the generational. Gap, and how do we bridge the generational gap? And how do we raise up leaders? And, and how do we reach a lost world who's becoming more and more atheist or doesn't care about God? And, and we went on for ages. I mean, we were sitting there for ages, uh, which means a long time. And I don't know if that's a saying here for ages. Okay, good. And, and, and then Mike Fono stood up and he said, Guys, there's going to be problems. There's going to be things to fix. But we, we just need to baptize people. That's all we need to do. We baptize people. That'll solve so many problems. We don't realize that just being outwardly focused, just being on the mission like these guys, is going to solve so many problems. Right? Even in your own life. Maybe you're feeling discouraged. I encourage you, get out on the mission. You will find a new zeal, a new fire. They couldn't stop the early church. They were serving, they were doing all these things, but they were unstoppable because they never lost sight of the mission. And I think for us, we can't do the same. We can't get lost. We can't get distracted. I mean, could you really say your life has been an upward growth to greater sharing the gospel with others or a receding hairline backwards that you're trying to cover? Is that what what it would be? Amen. I, I may go for one day. I'm not, it's not offensive. I'm just... It's just an example. Right, Amen done. if God does that. It's my... It's my... Um, <laughs> but are you... Or, I mean, are you easily distracted by service or problems or your own needs, which is taking you away from the ministry of the Word and prayer? Think for yourself. Because as a people, the good news... We've been saved. Right. We've been washed clean. Yes. right? In John 1.16, Ed and I were talking about, we've received grace upon grace. What an amazing concept. Yeah. Grace upon grace. But this is not just for us to feel great about ourselves. Wow, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm clean now. It's actually so that we can actually spread what we have. It's not for us to just feel proud. Wow! I gave a homeless man some money. Now I feel great. But actually, so that we can pour our lives out into serving God and being on the mission, right? Turn with me quickly, and we'll finish off here in Romans chapter six. All right, it's actually the same scripture that Reggie read. But Amen. We're just in sync today. I don't know if you noticed, but it was all single people's doing the the speaking. Uh, amen. Yeah. Get excited. That was awesome. That was, we, we planned that. It was a single service. So. Amen. Romans 6 verse 17. It reads, But thanks be to God. Though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I am using the example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you were now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap... Leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. The reason we serve. The reason that, that we do these things. We offer ourselves up to serve. Because we are no longer ser- servants to our selfishness. We're no longer about, hey, what can I get? Look, at, I need everything for me. Hey, how, how can I be a slave to righteousness? Which leads to holiness. I mean, how... The more you serve, God makes you holy. Not through your own actions. But through his sanctification. Mm-hmm. Amen. I mean, think about God. He, he, he gives us eternal life. What a great gift. What an inspiration. What a motivation for us to serve. And to spread the gospel. And that's incredible. And what a privilege it is. And I love there. You know, I mean... Looking back there to, in Acts 6, verse 15. It ends there and it says, Stephen's face was like the face of an angel. Yeah. What, a great, what an amazing scene. At the end, they're persecuting him. He's, he's serving. He's spreading the gospel. He's full of the spirit. And at the end, his face is like the face of an angel. And it's a slap in the face for the religious Jews that were there. right? As Moses came down from the law... His face was radiant as he spent that time with God on the mountain. Likewise, when when Stephen, he's not, he is actually they they accuse him of going against the law, but Jesus makes his face shine like an angel to show them. Look, this is the message. This is what you're actually meant to be following, Jews. This is why he's radiant because this is truly from God. Likewise, our faces. We'll be radiating as we preach the most loving gospel to a world that believes tolerance is the answer. And tolerance is not loving. Tolerance is selfish, protecting self. Loving, man, that's giving everything to others. We can turn to our our Lord Jesus. He was the suffering servant. That's what he's called. He was God in the flesh. He served the poor. He met the needs of the needy. He was the greatest servant, but not at the expense of preaching the good news. He didn't get distracted from the mission. We have a a champion who has gone before us, who demonstrates what our lives should be like. We all have a mission this morning. This world needs saving. Look out into the world. It's grabbing on to relationships, to drugs, to porn, to money. The world is searching for Jesus. Are you going to be the one to step up and meet that need, inspired by grace? Or will we cower and be distracted by our servitude? Mm. Let us not be that. Let us see that it's meant to be an incredible stepping stone, not a stumbling block for our faith, as we allow the Spirit to work through us, motivate us, and change the world as we know it. Amen. To God be the glory. Can you announce leaders meeting today at 10:50. Leaders meeting today at 10:50. Uh, just a final announcement the